Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Maybe we remember, Lord, that there was a time where we couldn't be in community face-to-face. And may we take this moment, this time, this morning, and treat it as something special that it is. For a lot of us, there has not been another time in our life where we haven't been out of a church for ten weeks in a row. It doesn't mean we can't be the church, but it's good to be in community, to share together in the hurts and the pains and the victories in each other's lives. And so, Lord, we are thankful to be together in your house this morning, reminded that you are a good and mighty God, that you still stand in our stead, and, Lord, that you give us the power and the strength, and the wisdom to do daily life. May we not forget that. May we not get so hung up on what's going on around us that we forget that you are still in control. You are still on the throne. You still know everything that happens. And you love us so. Lord God, we are thankful to be together. I am thankful to be with my family. May we enjoy this moment as special and precious. May we enjoy the moments of seeing smiles on others' faces, of understanding their pains and trials, and that you are big and mighty and you are a good God who cares. May we live in the reflection of that. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you the second half of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I hope my prayer is that you spent the week reflecting on what was in the Scripture and getting the other half of this passage because the first half was a little bit hard and a little rough. But I think when we look at the in light of the whole Scripture, we get a sense of what Paul is really after in Timothy's life. Remember, Paul was in jail. His life was about done. He was going to be on trial, and he knew he was going to be executed. Probably would never be out again. He knew that. And he knew Timothy was his understudy. He was a, he, Paul was his mentor, and so he knew going into this that he needed to give Timothy all the pieces that he needed to continue the ministry long after Paul would be gone. And that's why he wrote this. He wrote this to his dear son, he calls him, because he was much younger. And he reminds him, you may remember that in, early in this, he talks about uh, Timothy's upbringing. His upbringing was that his mom and his grandma were of the faith, and he was raised from a young boy in the faith and understood the faith. And, and that's why he's ta- he talks about in this passage about uh, continuing in that faith. And Timothy was running his own church, but he was a young man. And so Paul is in all of that light, sitting in jail, thinking about what's important to tell Timothy. 
And let me read you the other half, verse 10 through 19, or 17, I'm sorry. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those are from whom you learned it, and how you're, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. would wrap us in your loving arms this morning. You would gather us like a hen gathers chicks. And that, Lord, we would recognize your love and care over us. And that, Lord, when we hear your word, that it wouldn't be discipline from an unloving perspective, but rather a perspective of love and care. Sometimes, Lord, when we read Scripture, it hurts. And so, Lord, I asked that you would take away the sting, but help us to remember your love and desire for us as people. Can't help but think, Lord, that we are a mirror of you. That your desire for us is to walk this world, this life, and for those of us who follow you to be a reflection of you on this earth. May we live in that light. Lord, that sometimes is difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, Lord, there are times when we have learned things the wrong way. And sometimes, Lord, we're just stubborn. And so I ask, Lord, that you take that stubbornness that we all have. Soften it. Soften it so that we can be used by you in a new way. Because, Lord, we know that at the end of the day, that's what your hope and goal is for us. That we would be living in a reflection of eternity. That others would recognize that you are good and mighty God. That you love us so. And that they would see that in the way we act, in the way we walk, in the way we speak, and all those things. Uh, Lord, that help others see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's your child that sounds like a horse. 
I, yeah, it must be his, his boots must be loose because it, it sounded like a horse trotting up the hallway. <laughs> the, <laughs> they don't call him goat boy for nothing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, good morning. I want to um, just remember, remind you that it, maybe if you weren't here last week, we talked about the opening half of this chapter in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I hope you remember that I told you or I reminded you to, to give me a chance to finish the story, that to hang on, and you heard the first half, and, and I told you before I told you that it was going to be a bit rough, because what happens is Paul is speaking of the world, and then he speaks, okay, this is what you need to, it needs to look different in your life, Timothy, and, but the problem was there was just too much good stuff in there, and 18, 17 verses was just too much to try to run through in one day, one week. And so I felt like it would be good to talk about what the world looks like and then to reflect today on what we're to look like. And so I hope you, I hope you had a chance to reflect on this passage. Um, I recognize that there were some things in here that bothered me, that ruffled my own feathers, and I recognize that that happened in the, in the church as well, and I get that. That's okay. Um, I, I've always, I always think about um, if church is too comfortable and too warm and fuzzy, that maybe that's where our ears are being tickled. And maybe we need to be reminded of who we are and how we need to change. Because part of our growth in our faith, um, you, you know when Paul talks about, well, you, you can't drink milk for the rest of your life, kids, Right? We don't feed uh, kids milk for the rest of their life and only milk. We, he, Paul uses the meat and milk. Uh, he, I love it, the milk you know, equation. And he says, at some point, we're going to have to chew on something a little bit harder and a little bit heavier and a little bit tougher to work through. And so I hope that, I hope that you've come. Um, hey, it's not empty, so I'm glad to see that. Some people came back. Right? <laughs> so, um, and I realize that some of that's hard stuff that we talked about and we walked through. And I don't want to not talk about the elephant in the room, right? That's, it's, it's challenging. Our world that we live in is a challenging place. Um, I don't think, and I think this passage speaks very clearly of it, it's not magically going to go away. You can't hide under a rock big enough to stay out and away from the things of the world that we're dealing with. It's just... It's a part of who we are. And I'll be honest, there are days when I get so frustrated, I just like, I just want to quit doing this. I just want to not go to uh, Walmart ever again. Or I just want to, you know, I just want to want to talk. It, it, there are those things. I get those things too. Because I get frustrated just like you get frustrated. Because I feel so much out of control in those areas. It's like, why can't they just do this and it'll be better? Why can't the government do this or whatever it is, right? We, we do that. I told you last week, I want to throw bricks at my own TV. That doesn't make sense because I'll have to go buy a new one. Or I can just quit watching. That's what I've done. <laughs> I've quit watching a lot of TV uh, and got away from Facebook and I got away from my phone. I'm just trying to like just get away and get myself some healthy space in that stuff because I don't know. But everybody I talk to who, who's, in, who's like sucked into that is feeling the same way, overwhelmed, right? Those people that we love 
are sharing things on Facebook that we hate. And, 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 and it, I don't, you don't have to pick a side, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying? There's just this, that scripture where brother will fight brother and son will fight father, and I just can't get past that piece, and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I want to try to find unity in the faith, not trying to tear things apart. But you may remember that the sermon last week was called, What Did You Expect? Part one. Today is What Did You Expect? Part two. I say that because I think we have to come to this realization that we are in a battle. See, when things are good and there is no COVID and the economy is going great and we all have jobs and plenty of money and overtime and all those things and our life is um, walking this nice pretty path and it's all roses and rainbows and unicorns, it's really easy to just see the good. The problem is when things start to get hard, then we're like, I don't want any more hard. And I'm the same way. I, you can ask my wife or the dog. He listens better than my wife. <laughs> but I give him treats. That's probably what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell when she quits listening because she'll just be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Facebook, you know. <laughs> I feel the same frustrations you feel. I don't want you to think I'm up here on some pedestal preaching something that I don't need just as much as you. And Paul is telling Timothy, how are you going to respond to the world? What are you going to do with it? It's out there. We have tried 10 weeks of uh, not leaving your house. How did that work? We're not going to be able to do that, right? My mother-in-law wants to build a compound where we all stay, and I don't know how the food's going to get delivered, but I kind of like this idea. She's like, we can all just live in this compound. But we all know that that doesn't work, and it's not real. We're a part of this world, and we are called as believers in Christ to share our faith. And even when it's hard and it feels like I'm done, I'm tired of fighting this fight. No one listens anyway. And that I'm reminded that I had family members who reminded me of my faith when I was a kid. And probably one of the main reasons I'm where I'm at today is because someone of faith, I know for a fact, someone of faith encouraged my faith in a dark and hard time. And guess what, church? We have a responsibility to do that for the next generation. We have a responsibility to share our faith with those who are hurting and struggling. There isn't more of a time now when there's an opportunity to talk. People are scared. They're terrified about what's going on in the world. We have to share our hope. And we can't do it by staying home. Paul knew that Timothy was going to continue to minister after Paul was gone. And that's why he wrote this letter. He wrote this, it would be a long text in our day, right? But, but then it was, a, it was a letter that he wrote in jail and got to Timothy. And he reminded Timothy that he had grown up in the faith, that grandma and mom were important parts of his life because they shared with him the scriptures at a very young age. And he had grown up in that. And he had learned those scriptures. I just talked to someone this week. We were talking about a scripture. And they're like, 
I just, I just didn't like it when my grandparents and my parents made me learn those scriptures at an early age. Do you remember those times? You're in like kindergarten, first You're learning them and you're like, why do I have to memorize all these stinking verses? That's what I was thinking, right? I'm thinking that in my head. And now it's like, it's so awesome because it's like, boom, it comes right out. I, can, I will encourage you that if you, to continue to learn verses. I promise if you learn them and get them on the inside, you'll have them when you need them for the outside. It's been my experience. So what are we to do, church? What are we to do in this time when it's really hard? Paul knows Timothy's going to have it tough. It's not going to be an easy battle. It's going to be an uphill battle. Hey, it worked. I love this picture. And if you don't play chess, you're like, who cares or whatever, right? But if you've ever played chess, you know that one pawn, the weakest part of this of the game, against a whole army of the other side, is going to be an extremely uphill battle. And it would be quite easy in this picture to just give up, would it not? If you've ever played chess, you know that the challenge of winning that game from uh, the lighter colored uh, uh, piece is just about impossible because there's a lot of things against you. But Paul reminds us that we need to endure with hope, that we need to endure the struggles in our life and still keep the hope. Verse 10 says, You, however, know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, the things that happened to me, and the persecutions that I endured. You know, Timothy, all the things I, Paul, have endured in this life. It's not been a bed of roses. There's a different scripture, and I didn't write it down, where Paul talks about being shipwrecked. There's this long laundry list of things that had happened to Paul along the way. And they just kept, it's a laundry list. He talks here about, um, you know what happened in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? Does anybody know what happened in those, uh, those uh, cities to Paul? Yeah, well, okay, right, exactly. So let me just tell you, Acts 13 uh, the end of Acts 13 to, and through Acts 14 is where all this comes from. There's, a, there's like a, a rundown of what happens there. I want to share this with you because I want to ask you this question as I share these. When's the last time this happened to you? As a Christian, when is the last time this happened to you? Antioch, Paul was persecuted for his faith. People came against him. They had to leave the city. They were, why did he be, was he persecuted? He was persecuted because he was sharing his faith. He was sharing who Jesus was and the difference that that made in his life. They got chased out. And not only chased out, but some of the people from Antioch ended up being uh, following him and working. And so they upped the ante in Iconium. They made plans to stone him. They had a plot to kill him. And the scripture says there were some people from the other city who kept following him. So there were people stalking Paul. You know what happened in Lystra? Acts 14, 19. They, they made it happen. They stoned him. It says that they stoned him and left him for dead. 
For what reason? Because he was a bad guy? Because he was doing something wrong? Because he had faith. And he was sharing his faith. He did the job God put on his heart, and he did it faithfully. And I have to ask myself, when was the last time that someone plotted to stone me? When's the last time I felt really persecuted for my faith? And when I felt persecuted, what did I do with it? I pouted and I said, I'm not going back there again. I don't know. We all have different stories, right? But when's the last time you were stoned and left for dead for your faith? Paul's not telling Timothy these things just for, say, look at me. He's telling them, listen, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be difficult. And I need you to endure and continue to further the ministry. Church, I think that there will be a cleansing of the church in this post-COVID time. I have heard people say, well, I really haven't missed church much. And I have to ask myself, if you haven't missed the community of your faith, was it ever really important? I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging that. I'm just asking that question to myself. I'm not throwing a shot at people who aren't feeling comfortable to be here, but I'm just asking myself that question. If after 10 weeks it isn't feel important enough that you missed it, then maybe you didn't miss it from the beginning. And maybe it just became something that was a convenience. I'd love to hear some feedback uh, separate from here. Just curious, because I'm, I'm trying to sort it out like you're trying to sort it out. When we get frustrated with what's going on in the world, we have to look at it as something that's a part of our faith. A badge of faith. Do you know what that is? Anybody know what that is? Does anybody have that tattoo? Lee, you have that tattoo? It is a Jesus fish. You know what they did with that Jesus fish? Amen. Never ask the Lee the answer you want unless you want the long version. <laughs> I'm just picking on you, Lee. Whoops. I'm going to run back in there and fall over. That'll teach me. I'm just, thank you. Exactly. If you didn't catch that, what they would do in the early Christian faith is it wasn't okay to be a Christian. So they would draw in the sand a lot of times on the ground. They would draw one half of that line. And if the other person they came up with met with would draw the other half and they knew they were a Christian as well. And so that was kind of a, um, a badge of faith in some ways. They knew that if, that was, if they saw that, that they would be able to trust them as a fellow believer. And then it was safe. Because unbeknownst to you and I, there was a time, not in America, and there is a time now when Christianity wasn't safe or isn't safe. Do you realize that in China this morning, Christianity is not safe? There are 
Christian missionaries who are not missionaries because if they get caught being missionaries in, in China, they're out. When's the last time you weren't allowed to share your faith because you'd get kicked out of a country? It's happening this morning. Amy's cousin and her husband live in China as teachers who share their faith. And you know what? They're not worried about getting 100 people to Christ. They're, they're worried about teaching the next person, the next person. You know, their Bible studies are usually no more than two or three at all. Because they know if they have a big crowd, what will happen? If the government finds out, they get booted. A lot of those missionaries go there with a, uh, uh, an insurance policy to, that will buy their plane ticket out within 24 hours. Because one of the rules is if you get caught, normally you have 24 hours to get out of there. Or be prosecuted. We live in a world that's doing that this morning. Do you know the serenity prayer? It's an AA thing, right? It has been, has been taken as an AA thing, but I think it's really important for us to, to begin to think about how we walk through this life. Give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the ones I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Just so you know, this came from a theologian that uh, I, I blanked on his name. I forgot to write his name down. But Ryle, yes, very good. I don't know who said that. Oh, is it? Oh, uh, oh, it's not. Just, just so you don't think I've lost my mind, it's not on the back one. <laughs> it's cut off. So I thought it was cut off behind me too. <laughs> That's probably why I didn't look up the the name because I had it on there. The second thing Paul says to Timothy: Keep searching your scriptures. Keep looking and studying your scriptures. Maybe it's time to reevaluate your stance on everything. Maybe it's time to take and investigate what you believe in. Because here's what happens. Here's what we do, and I do it too. I hear it, and I hear it, and I hear it, and I hear it, and then I share it, but I really haven't looked it up. And you'd be surprised how many times when you tell us uh, a story from Scripture that it doesn't line up exactly. And you're like, hey, wait, I thought, it, I thought Rack Shack and Benny was exactly the way that Scripture went, right? <laughs> right? We do that. I encourage you to get back in your Scriptures. Get in those Scriptures and study. Someone sent this to me this week, not this picture, but a very similar picture. And it said from, it was from last week's sermon. It says, what I believe was on the title. And there was a whole page of this is what I believe and a whole bunch of scriptures after that. Well, this is what I believe and a whole bunch of scriptures after that. I encourage you to take something that you believe and dig into scripture and really dig in to see if that's really what you believe. Because all too often, we just kind of get this conglomerate of, uh, of ideas from all different places, from church and from our daily bread, and not bad places, from our families. And we kind of like slide the scripture off to the side, and we just kind of make our own theology. 
And I just want to encourage you to continue to read your scriptures. It sounds so simple, right? Gee, if I just read my scripture. I don't want you reading it for academic reasons. I don't want you reading it to check off the box that says, I read my Bible today. If you're reading it for that reason, you're totally missing the point. You've missed it already. Read the scripture and figure out what value it has in your life. Because if that scripture doesn't intersect your daily life, it has zero value. It's really just trivia at that point. Did Moses, oh yeah. Did, who, who put the boat? Oh, Noah, yeah, that's right. And trivia doesn't get you very far. Let's try one. You guys up to try one? All right, good. Glad to see you're all smiling and excited. I saw everybody raise their hand, just dying to be picked. Brentley, Brentley raised his hand. Good job, Brentley. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, I think it's verse 14. Thou shalt not cover their neighbor's wife. First thing I think of is, I don't even know what covet means. So I probably ain't doing it if I don't know what it means. Right? <laughs> I don't even like my neighbor's wife. <laughs> totally a joke, but <laughs> you get the point, right? This verse doesn't mean a thing in our life if we aren't able to recognize that if we're jealous of something our neighbor has or is doing or is able to, to uh, get, like his nice new boat or his nice new car or his beautiful house with good mulch and beautiful flowers and he's got it all perfect if we haven't come to the point where we can understand that that is our job is not to covet to want something that's not ours in the first place it does but i wanted it to be nice and short i like short all right ken we're going to give you another one ken you know what just for you i got two i i said yeah because you thought i just had one you could comment well now you're on the hook, Kenny. I'm going to ask your wife about this one. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Anybody else uh, doing Satan worship this week? Buddhist? We got any Buddhists in the place? Hindu? No? Oh, we must be all good. Right? It says to have no other god, small g, so we know that's not real god, uh, before me. How does that intersect your life? Ken? Since, oh, you volunteered. It was good to see you volunteer, Ken. I knew you wanted to talk about it. So what's your God this week? That God, but what's, what's that? That's not, whoa! <laughs> I thought we lost it. That was odd. So what are those gods that get in the way of What's that? I, can, I didn't hear. Your phone. You wouldn't be the only one. Our time and energy. Our thought processes. What else? What other gods do you have? Money. Yeah. Yeah, money is a big one.
I know there's lots more of them. It's okay. You can write it on your Connect card. There's quiet for a reason because you, got, you have those gods that you put in front of God. I get it. I have those gods I put in front of God. I have come to this realization. You know why it's hard to read Scripture every day? Any guesses why it's hard to read Scripture every day? Exactly, Paul. It's prickly. It's not easy reading, is it? And if it's easy reading, it's probably not doing what we need to do. I, real, I came to that realization this week. Sometimes it's hard to read Scripture because it's prickly, and I don't like the way it feels. And I sure as heck don't want to change my old ways. They do, but I'm stuck in my old ways. And here's what I wrote down. Ignorance is bliss, is it not? If I don't read Scripture, then I don't find out that I need to change anything, and I can live another day in my stuff. Because the reality is this. If you faithfully get in the Scripture, in the Word, there will be a Scripture for what you need. It may not even be that day. It may be two days before or two days after. But I promise you that if you get in the Word and read it on a regular basis and be faithful about that, God will... To the point where I have opened the Scriptures blindly during my devotion time, I don't know if you ever do this, I am so willy-nilly sometimes, that I'll just open the Scriptures, close eyes, and say, boom, I'm going to read this one today. And I'll be like, oh, gee, look at that, exactly what I needed. And if it doesn't fit today, then you need to reevaluate what you're reading. Like, maybe I should read it again and take the time to understand it. Or maybe you need to store that away for something that's coming. Then my experience. It's important, especially in this day and age, to be in God's Word. And I might be old, and that's okay. I did turn 50, so that's old, I, th I think. A lot of people made fun of me. I got caskets or uh, headstones in my yard, so I must be. But I will say this. I can't get past the paper version of the Bible. I know there are people, and, I'm, and it's a different generation, but I'll tell you, it doesn't. I love to write notes in my Bible and come back to it and see things underlined and see things circled and see dates on it and, and things that remind me of my faith. And I think we lose something when we quit going to the Bible. And for me, a paper is the deal. Paul finally reminds Timothy to never quit training for the goal. You have heard it, or it but it says, uh, but keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all of your duties of your ministry. And Paul reminds Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Keep working every day, every day, every day. Equip yourself for every good work. If you want God to use you on a regular basis, meet God on a regular basis. If you're okay just being used by God once a month, 
Well, then just read Scripture once a month. If you want more of God, you got to read more Scripture. you got to be involved and, and dig into it. It's never too late to start. Does anyone know who Alfred Nobel is? He did. Does anyone know what Alfred Nobel was famous for? Dynamite. Do you know what? Let me tell you the story. Since they're all telling my story. Goodness gracious. That's good. I'm glad someone knew. Alfred Nobel invented dynamite. Made his money on dynamite. Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of money. $300 million in today's economy just to give you kind of a where he was at in that life. Alfred's brother died. But the newspaper thought it was Alfred that died. And so the next day when they printed the obituary, they printed Alfred's obituary. Instead of his brother, it started with a G. I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Alfred is reading his own obituary. In the newspaper, it probably wasn't a day back then, it was a long time. Well, probably would have been a long. He's reading the obituary and he realizes that his whole life has been defined by destruction. That everything he's done was to build something that would blow things up, that would, uh, would bust holes in the ground or in the walls. And he began to realize that he was going to be remembered for destruction. And it really bothered him when he recognized that. He had all this money, didn't know what to really do with it anyway. He began the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, he was a scientist, so there's a bunch of different pieces of that. And I, I mean, today it's been kind of messed with. And not, but the reality is this. He recognized that he wanted to be known for something other than destruction. And even at an old age, not, sh- not long before he died, he made this change in his life. He didn't stop and just live with where he was. He recognized that he needed to make a change. I bring that story up because I think a lot of us think that sometimes we can't change. I'm set in my ways. I have gotten this far in life doing this, and I'm set in my ways. I'd like to be a believer, but I've really messed it all up, and so I'm just not going to be able to change that. Jesus went to the cross, and this is an empty tomb to remind us that he walked from that grave so that every day for us can be new and different and better. He didn't walk out of that grave for a get-out-of-hell-free card. And I want to remind you of that. He didn't just go around passing this card out, and as long as I understand, I'm okay. Not the case. He walked out of that grave so that we would be different. And that we would live a life that was different than we did before we understood his love and desire to be with us. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you're never too old to learn 
or to grow or to continue to train, as Paul told Timothy. Paul recognized, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Isn't that what we want to be said about us when we end this life? I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. It's so powerful. Thank you that you love us so. Lord, may we be a people who understand and who recognize that you are in charge of our life. May we understand, Lord, that we can't do this on our own. That we need your love and care over our life. And Lord, may, most importantly, may we be a people who understand that we fought the good fight. We ran a good race. And we kept the faith. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling in this day and age with all the things that are going on around us. It's stressful. It's frustrating. I ask, Lord, that you give them peace. That you would remind them to stay as far away from the circus as they can. Not that they don't know what's going on, but that they don't get hung up in it. Because, Lord, the circus continues to go round and round and round and round. And your eternal love took us off the merry-go-round. In your name we pray. Amen.